Hi, listeners. I'm Irene Barton, Executive Director of the Cobb Collaborative, and I welcome you to Mind Your Mind Speaks. This is a podcast series that brings together subject matter experts and community leaders to help raise awareness, share resources, and inspire action through recorded conversations about mental well-being topics. Today, we are speaking with Marcel Johnson, Regional Manager for the Georgia Family Connection Partnership. Welcome, Marcel. And can you please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Good morning, Irene. Thank you for having me. Um, Like you said, I work with the Georgia Family Connection Partnership. We're a statewide network that's committed to working with community collaboratives like the Cobb Collaborative as they journey to improve outcomes for children and families. I've been with them almost about 20 years and um, by profession, I'm an attorney. Wonderful, well, thank you. Marcel, not only has your family and really all of our Georgia Family Connection partnership collaboratives and families been coping with the worldwide pandemic, but you personally have had some family losses, not COVID related, but that have been understandably difficult. Can you share a little bit about your grief journey with our listeners? Sure. Um, So this is 2021. Um, Well, in March of 2020, um, March 15th exactly, we found my niece um, dead. Um, She was 29 years old. This was before they were really testing for COVID or, you know, had um, any real information out there about COVID. Um, Like I said, she was 29. She would have been 30 in April. She had severe asthma. And in the probably two weeks prior to her death, she had gone to her doctor numerous times and, you know, been given all of the kind of treatments for asthma um, uh, and a sinus infection, et cetera. But um, we found her dead. Um, uh, it, it was said that her death was caused by um, kind of an aneurysm. But just imagine that was my twin sister's daughter and really it was like my own child. So um, it was really, really devastating for us. Um, And honestly, there was, Irene, um, so much to do during that time that I don't really think I even stopped to, to really grieve at that time because I really have always kind of been that person in my family to do the things that needed to be done. And honestly, my twin sister was a basket case. And so she really couldn't even get out of bed much. So I had to do all of those things to kind of support her and support my other niece and handle the things that go along with planning a funeral and, um, you know, dealing with the afterwards of that. And so I would say that um, I was too busy to stop and let myself feel all of the things that you feel in, in the death of someone or something, because people can grieve for the loss of things, 
like marriages and jobs and things that kind of help make you who you are. Mm-hmm. And, um, sometimes you, you keep moving so that you won't have to think about those kind of things. Um, I would, uh, personally, I would kind of stay up until I couldn't do anything but sleep because I didn't want to have to think about this in that time that you lay down and before you fall asleep. So I to make sure that I was just kind of dead tired and would um, go right to sleep so that I wouldn't have to to think about it. Um, But, uh, and let me add that after my um, niece's death, about six months later, my sister's mother-in-law, my niece who had died, grandmother died as well. So here I was all over again, mm-hmm. dealing with um, the administrative portion of everything that goes along with death. And so I would say that it was later in 2020 that I on the advice of actually someone I work with and that you work with too, um, started attending a a grief journey group. Mm -hmm. Um, And in it, we met for probably about six weeks, once a week. And we would, basically she kind of walked us through the journey that is grief, you know, from denial to acceptance. And, and actually, it did a world of good to talk to other people who who really had been through something really traumatic. And um, it, it in our group, it was all ladies, and they um, they kind of help you feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this. There are other people who who understand. And like I said, I really hadn't thought about it much. I thought about grief in terms of losing a person, but other people were on there and, you know, they, they had lost a marriage or in this pandemic, uh, a job, you know, that they had. And, and, and with it, no matter what the loss is, it's all of this unknown, like what comes next and what do we do next and how do we become ourselves again, you know, what becomes normal for us, us again. And, and one of the most important things I think I learned is that the journey is not a straight line journey. Like I move from, from denial to acceptance. Mm-hmm. You, it's, it can circle back around to, again, um, bargaining with God about, you know, if, if really God, if you do this, then I'll, I'll do this, you know, so it can, it can go back and, and all during that time, one day you may, you know, feel like what's somewhat normal and the next day you don't want to get out of bed again. So mm-hmm. continuous journey of every day, just trying to, um, figure out, what that day will look like for you and how do you make that day better for those you love and how, how do you come to a place where you can think about the person you lost and, and smile mm-hmm. and realize that they're in a good place now. And um, they're with a lot, even though there are a lot of people they love here, they're, they're with a lot of people they love as well. 
So, um, the, our our coworker who encouraged you to attend this, what what was it for you that finally made you decide yes? this is something that I need because you, it sounds like you had gone for several months with trying to just keep busy and keep your mind occupied and just drag yourself to the brink of physical and emotional exhaustion. So was there a tipping point? Well, unlike, unlike a lot of people these days who just will not seek any kind of um, mental health, I have sought mental health before. I'm, I'm a person who believes we know ourselves best. Mm-hmm. So I've known when I've been suffering from like depression. And so um, I've, I've been a person who's had a therapist and realized, or I've, I've been dealing with something that's been hard to kind of deal with um, in my life, you know, like, like a, as a single parent, you know, raising a male son and the transition between him being a child and an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, how, as a mother, do you still parent, but recognize that your what was your child is an adult and let them be an adult too? So at various times in my life, I have sought professional guidance. And I believe that, you know, as professionals ourselves, we we know what it looks like when other people are seeking our guidance for things. So I know the benefit of having someone to talk to who is impartial because your friends will give you advice, but sometimes they'll give you advice based on their friendship with you as opposed to what might be (laughs) the best course of action. So I have not been afraid in my life, Irene, to seek the guidance of a professional. And normally I know when I'm on zero and Mm -hmm. on zero, a lot of times that's when I will go and try to see what I can do to, you know, regenerate. Because honestly, as a person and a helper, um, be it a mother, um, be it an aunt, be it somebody who serves in the church, be it somebody who works, you can't help other people until you're good yourself. And so um, I kind of know, and I think for the listeners out there, you know too, you know when you're at the point where you may need to talk to someone. And, you know, uh, luckily these days, it doesn't always have to be someone you have to pay, but there are all kinds of avenues to talk to someone who is trained to both listen and to provide you with the tools you need to deal with whatever your situation is. Not that they're gonna tell you what to do, but a lot of times it's them asking questions and you kind of thinking about what they ask and then kind of coming up with it um, Mm -hmm. yourself, right? Yeah, and maybe on some level, you know that that is what you need to do, but you need that external objective person I love the way you phrased that too, Marcel, about seeking advice from an expert. I mean, I would never presume to try to repair my car. I am not a car mechanic, so I go to an expert, right? Right. Um, same thing. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, many of us have not received formal mental health or emotional mm-hmm. training. Um, mm-hmm. And so why would we not um, right. Right. do that? So, 
Um, Marcel, you and I have talked before about the importance of mental health in the African-American community and the fact that quite honestly, it can be difficult for people of color to admit that they need help and then to mm -hmm. obtain um, culturally competent uh, mm -hmm. mental health support. Can you talk a little bit about that from your experience? Sure, Irene. Um... You know, for many of us growing up in the African-American community, we were raised to believe that, you know, you don't go telling your business, you know, outside of your, your home. Mm -hmm. And so that means any kind of business. And, and at the same time, um, we were also, a lot of us, we grew up to, um, excuse me, be, uh, be taught that you don't share weakness. And so for many people, you know, mental health is not viewed as physical health. Health, It's viewed as something that you can kind of snap out of, you know, you know, why don't you kind of dig deep and just do what you got to do and snap out of it. But I believe that if we started looking at the fact that we have to take care of our mind and all of the things that it controls in our body, the way we have to take care, you know, of our kidneys or our liver or some other part that um, kind of keeps us going as people, then, then we could remove some of that stigma um, around, around seeking out um, mental health. And I think too, as, as a woman, um, we too often are the caregivers and we don't seek the care that we need as well because in that role as a caregiver, again, we're, we're um, a lot of times we may think of ourselves kind of last. And so I think that um, in the African-American community, one of the good things is that um, there are more, more people who look like us out there to kind of talk to. If you're seeking a, a certain, um, a male, say a male African-American or you, know, you want a female or, or whatever, um, I think that there are more options. And a lot of times, you know, the, the internet can cause some issues, but it also can help in terms of individuals searching for what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. But I caution too that, um, that I've had experiences where I have my, um, the person that I was seeing did not look like me. And I think that in, in a relationship with a counselor, a therapist, a psychiatrist, the most important thing is that you develop a relationship with that person. And, and that doesn't mean it, that it always has to be a person that looks like you. But if that's what you're seeking, it's out there to be found. And um, I also say, um, Irene, I think that one of the things we can do to take the stigma from seeking um, mental health support is to talk about it you know so i'm um i'm constantly talking to to my friends about 
you know, the fact that I have sought treatment, how it has been beneficial to me. Um, in fact, I've, I've, I was referred to my therapist and I've referred other people to my therapist as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that uh, we need to talk about this it, with our friends, with our girlfriends, with our church members, you know, at work. Um, we need to, if we, um, if somebody, you see somebody who, who looks like maybe they're going through something, even if you just start talking to them yourselves. Um, my twin sister likes to tease me that in three minutes, I can get anybody's life story. (laughs) I mean, sometimes in talking to people, you know, by, by talking, you may be able to refer them to someone who can help help them with whatever their issues may be. Mm-hmm. You and know, it, it, we often say, see something, say something, see something, say something. Exactly. Um, the same thing around mental health as well. Mm-hmm. And that's um, some of the trainings that we've brought like um, QPR and mental health first aid. Don't be afraid to say something um, because it's, might almost be a relief to that person to mm-hmm. hear it vocalized. And right. um, as one of our other um, participants in the podcast series says, you know, people that are going through a dark time in their lives or sadly contemplating suing suicide have a running commentary in their brain that's telling them all this stuff. And you have, they need that external um, voice to ground them back to, you know, this is where we are and this is how we can get you some help. Uh, Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Irene. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I, I think that um, in the, during the pandemic, one of the things I saw was a, a different kind of kindness than I had seen kind of previous to this. I saw neighbors helping neighbors and, you know, people, uh, you know, just kind of talking to people because if they saw you, they probably hadn't seen people in a while. And so they, you might just hear a kind word. And I think that all of that goes a long way in, in helping people with, kind of what they're dealing with. Because so often, despite your best efforts, you might start thinking about how bad things are. And all it take is just a word of kindness from somebody else for you to see that, you know, maybe your grief or the bad things happening in the world are not the only things happening. Yes, so so true. So be kind to people, you know, even if you don't have to, just be kind. Yeah, so be kind to yourself and, and, and be, to others, yes. Absolutely. Exactly, Irene, exactly. Well, Marcel, we're just about out of time. Um, I want to thank you so much for being so candid and transparent about your personal journey and your family's journey. And we do hope your twin is doing the best that she can okay. after, mm-hmm. after the loss to the family. Um, and we remind you and all of our listeners that there is no health without mental health. And yes. as our campaign says, we want you to mind your mind. Mind your mind. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> listeners for tuning in and have a great day. Thank you, Irene.